Uh, welcome to Membership Voice, everyone. I'm Kara O'Shea, the coordinator of, of The Voice and host for tonight's webinar. And I have with me, of course, past district governor and Rotary membership coordinator for our zone, uh, Tim Moore, to present on adapting traditional club models to a changing world. Just to introduce Tim, and I'm delighted that he's been able to find time to join us this evening. Tim Moore is, the, as, as you all know, the 2017 to 2020 Rotary Membership Coordinator for 13 districts in Australia, so a big job there. And Tim loves working closely with governors, past governors, fellow Rotarians and the like on this ongoing membership challenge. He is a resource available to everyone in Australia and New Zealand to help on the membership process. And as I said before, great to have you with us, Tim. On that note, over to you, mate, to, for your presentation. Thank you, Karen. And thank you, everyone, for joining us this evening. Um, I hope weather is nice autumnal where you are. Uh, I'd like to talk tonight, of course, about the adapting to our changing world, particularly in Rotary Clubs. And I hope um, there's some of your questions and some of your comments later with me, because I certainly don't have all the ideas, but I certainly would love us to, love to think that we're moving in this direction. And um, I'm not sure actually said this, Maybe I should say I said it, but I didn't. Um, we know that change is inevitable and we know that change is generally good and we know that if we don't adapt, uh, we are on the wrong end of the, on the, of the stick. So what I'd like you to think about is this sort of idea and applying it to Rotary Clubs at the moment. I know we've got a wide variety of people. I see some people in the room there who are probably more qualified than I am to talk on this. But I would like to start firstly at our strategic plan. This is Rotary's strategic plan, of course, and the key action points. And the main thing it says, amongst other things, together we see a world where people unite and take action, but in our communities and change, sorry, across the globe and in our communities, but most importantly, in ourselves. And what a great time then to think about strategic planning and what we could do, especially in these present times. And I think it's really important to have a good look at what we're doing now and what, what we're up to. Because as Winston Churchill, Churchill said, of course, don't waste a good crisis if there's such a thing as a good one. And then, of course, came COVID-19. What a surefire disruptor that's been to our clubs and our members in many ways. Now we have... Rotary International President-elect Holger Knack, of course, challenges all of us to be but not quite through the virus, I know that, and be influenced by our clubs. And what a great opportunity we have before us. But it's not without its challenges. Now, I'd like you to think, too, about membership. It's not just a problem. It's actually a symptom of what's happening in Rotary at the moment. And I think we shouldn't necessarily be rushing to get new members or anything like that but have a close look at what really is happening and think strategically about what we need to do to make our clubs more attractive. I guess what we need to do in our organisations, we know there's a need to change in many ways or certainly be more flexible and adaptable. Change often comes about very slowly as society and its norms change. And in the last three years, our Council on Legislation has met, so in the last three Council legislations, which has been almost over nine years, has met, and Rotary has changed. Many of the things that we thought and took for being traditions and would never change have been changed by our own 
members and our own representatives at the Council on Legislation. We have far more membership types, very flexible. Of course, we have meeting flexibility, attendance flexibility, and the list goes on. Yet our clubs continued to largely not have taken up the challenge of what they can do and change. I'd like you also to reflect on how your clubs, if you're from a traditional club or a club that's more than five or ten years old, you may well be facing some problems now if you haven't moved or changed or adapted to changing situations. And I'd like you to look out and think about what would your club be like if it started today, in today's communities, in today's level of society. Let's look at the new clubs that we have around us. They've been incredibly successful. In fact, most of Rotary's growth has come from new clubs. So rather than name clubs, I'd like us just to look at some of the types of clubs. And they're not just all for younger members. We have many things happening around us, don't we? We have passport clubs. We have uh, much more flexible clubs. We have direct clubs becoming Rotary clubs. Some clubs are more traditional. I know, for example, the Rotary Club of Wyndham down here in Melbourne on the Wyndham Harbour. They have a real community projects. They're passionate about their projects, but they're still very traditional in many ways of how they meet and how often they meet. There's other flexibilities, as mentioned, passport clubs, grey nomad clubs, clubs that, of course, are made up of older people and some younger people are lucky enough not to have to work too often, travelling around Australia. They meet already. And we know e-clubs, there's many clubs, professional networking clubs and some cause-based clubs. And I know even a new one started fairly recently, although not in Australia. But when your club started maybe 20, 40, 60 years ago, it would have been fantastic, most likely reflecting the local community. People were out of the local community, part of the local chamber of commerce, people that perhaps were very business orientated and network orientated, had great projects that all came from direct links with the community way before we had social media and all those things, and people were often knocking on your door to join. But now, with the problems that many of our clubs have, like ageing demographics, a lack of community connection, what I call becoming the Rotary Bank. In other words, people come to us and just really want us to write cheques, be the fundraisers for them. Okay, we have lots of those sort of problems. Poor membership recruitment in the last 10 years. A lot of clubs just haven't realised that they've got a problem until it's almost too late. And we know that 80% of new members to any club may leave within the first two years. It's hard to find leaders and it's hard for people to fill club positions in many ways. So what's happened? I'd like to think about this a bit more. Society's moved on, hasn't it? We know there's pressure on young professionals to work long hours. Many have to travel a long time. Uh, we have less family time as both parents are obviously and many times working. We've also kept doing the same projects the same way. We've lost community with community members often. Our members have aged and may say they certainly don't have any business contacts anymore. People they'd normally ask to join Rotary. So we've turned into fundraisers and we certainly, as we've aged, can't do the heavy lifting that perhaps we could in many of our clubs before. So the list goes on, doesn't it? I'm sure your, your own club say how your club has changed. So how can we reverse this trend in a traditional club? 
And I think we all know what a definition of a traditional club is. The people that haven't taken upon the flexibility options, the people that haven't actively sought members in an organised and a, and a thought-provoking way. So how can we reverse this? It's not easy and it certainly needs devotion by its membership. Firstly, and not utterly, to make sure they have a problem, realise that they have a problem. So I was an IT person up till fairly recently, and I still am an IT person, I guess, but, you know, when I, whenever there was a problem with a computer that we just couldn't solve, what do we do? Well, what we tended to do was just pull the plug, wasn't it? Okay, let's restart it. Let's reset it. Let's reboot. And I think in many ways traditional clubs have to do this. Let's start again as if we were a new club in our community. That's not easy, I know that. And it's the hardest thing to walk away from a, anyone who's talked about change and adapting to change, to realise that maybe you really have to start at the beginning again. So what is working at the new clubs could help us? Well, we know for a start that collaborative decision-making is a one thing. Why not ask the members? So often these days we have boards running our, well, of course we have boards running our clubs, but those boards as time goes on become less transparent and become more about, I guess, their internal decision-making, less on reporting, less on involving club members, standing up in front of club members and saying this is what we've decided. And suddenly people feel very disconnected, don't they? Disengaged. So what do we do? We know that older boards and older club boards have this problem. So why not do things like combine a meeting with your board? Many clubs are doing this, especially as our numbers drop. We know that we've got clubs of maybe 20 members and almost half of them are on a board and not involving the other members. So unless you involve all of the members, you will not have any success in adapting or changing your club. I see David Egan's online and I'd like to say how great it is. The Rotary Club of Adelaide is a great example of how a traditional club was able to move from a very model. They were aged. They were certainly a large club, but they'd lost many members over a number of years. And suddenly the people in the club said, we've got to do something about this. The board didn't make the decision and talk about what they're going to change. They asked the members. Now, it's not revolutionary to do that, is it? In fact, the government's asking us all the time to ask us what we think. Why not do the simple thing of asking your members? Now, you can do a proper visioning course, and I'm sure many of you have done that within your clubs over the last 10 years perhaps, and hopefully revisited. But what a great way. You can be so simple, less formal, and just asking three simple questions of your club members. Put them up on a whiteboard, whatever it is, what don't you like about our club? What could we get rid of? What is good and should be retained in our club? And the third one, what can we add to our club to make it more attractive? And it doesn't take a while do you get the majority opinions and involve people and make them feel like they've got some take in what's going to happen to the club. But it is about a significant cultural shift in the club, how to attract, engage and retain members, follow best practices, I'm sure many of you have heard of the YAS model of uh, induct or actually finding new members, going through the membership process. By the way, for those interested, it's now online. Judy Ford from the club there has uh, actually produced an online model for the, the YAS method, which really is just best practice about how you identify members, 
how you encourage them, how you involve them, how you, you get them to stay. Mentoring programs, as we know, is really important in a club. But equally, anything is better than nothing. Or doing the same things you always have. Obviously, it clearly hasn't worked in most of our clubs. Now, back to COVID-19. It's forced us, all our clubs, all our boards, all our districts, to actually change. Now, I'm just amazed at how quickly this has happened and how quickly and well it's taken up with so many of our members, and I'm sure in your own clubs you're doing this now. So what I'd like to do is just go through some thoughts and some options that, and, I guess, observations that I've made exactly about that. And I've only put these up. I hate text slides normally, but if you want a copy or you can get the recording, you can leave, don't bother taking the notes. Um, we know that as many as 80% of club meetings in Australia and New Zealand are actually now meeting remotely using an online platform like Zoom or GoToMeeting or, um, you know, Google uh, Hangouts and all those sort of things. There's lots of different ways of doing it, but we know it's online, we know it's safe, but we also know it's convenient in so many ways. And many clubs are actually saying they have better attendance than they normally do. And this is the same for my club. We normally have less than 50% attending a face-to-face -face normal meeting. And now we're getting, well, my goodness, we had uh, almost 90% of our members at a recent party. Once again, we're having many people doing virtual parties, virtual trivia nights, virtual whatevers. And I'm sure you've seen many of those examples. So what a great opportunity. And I think one of the greatest things we can do in this time of uh, the coronavirus is to actually have a meeting on strategic planning. Why not talk about those things? You don't have to wait to get back. You don't have to wait till you all join face-to-face -face, because chances are not everyone's going to be there. But over a couple of nights of your meetings, why not have a strategic meeting and ask those three questions? What's worth retaining? What's not worth retaining in our club? And how can we make our club more attractive to members? So we also know that almost 100% of club boards and district meetings, committee meetings are meeting online as well. What a fantastic uptake. Of course, there's not too, other, too many other ways of doing it, isn't it, uh, with phones the way they, these, the, they are these days. And we also know that clubs are varying how often they meet. If they were meeting weekly, they may now move to fortnightly or replacing a meeting with a special occasion or a fun night, like a trivia night. There's many things you can do. And I'm sure many of you are trying those now. And as we're getting better at it, we're not getting the questions about how do I log on anymore. We're getting questions about how can we make this a bit more interesting and a bit more fun and engage our members. So I'd like you to think about those too. The other thing I'd like you to think of is the people that can't travel. Now, we know that they're easing the restrictions in Australia, uh, but we also know that we're not allowed to meet in great numbers yet, and chances are we won't for some time. And we also know for the plus 65-year-olds that if you've got a condition or, you know, you're not happy, they're going to be less likely to attend our face-to-face -face meetings than ever before. Now, not to mention that, of course, we've got 30th of June coming up. We've got to have value for members and get, hopefully they're being involved. And I feel, I'm sure your districts like my district is doing, is finding out those clubs that aren't meeting or aren't engaging now in these ways of doing it. So I'd like you to think about those sort of things. And maybe 
for those people who can't travel, keep a Zoom computer in the corner or at least get them in for a guest speaker that you've got. And remember, it's a great way of keeping costs down too, of course. How much money have we all saved by not driving to our meetings, let alone that uh, steamed chicken that we often get, if you're lucky enough? And um, we just need to be aware of what's happening to our members. The other thing is you can live stream good speakers, uh, record them even, ask the public to engage online through your Facebook and social media. Now, we've never, I don't know many clubs have done this. Of course, the e-clubs have always done it. And we know many of the passport clubs are meeting this way too. So what you can do in your club, you've got the opportunity, is take on some of these things that you can help engage with your members. And keep those phone trees going. I don't mean by ringing up plants. Of course, here I mean by engaging with your members who perhaps aren't uh, heard from very often. Maybe they can't make your online meetings. Give them a ring. Check in with your at-risk members. And, of course, if every club did that, we'd probably keep a lot of people engaged would not normally be engaged. So I'd like you to think about that as well. And while we do miss our face-to-face contact and our social uh, norms, I guess, club meetings, there is light at the end of the tunnel now that it is going to change and it's going to come back. It may well be not till the end of the year. It still amazes me, actually, that... uh, how on an online meeting, and I'm sure you've all seen this, we've got all the members filling the pages of your screen with different things. You know that when you go to a meeting, chances are you're going to sit at the same table with the same people you've always sat with. Very seldom do we get outsiders in and talk to them. But on an online meeting, everyone's talking to everyone, hopefully not all at the same time. But it's a great management thing, but it's another way of seeing you break up the clicks in the club too. So I'd very much say, if you can, introduce some of these things in this difficult time. And, of course, what it needs, we need people to stand up and lead and take the lead and maybe say this is what we can do in our club, even if the rest of the members haven't really thought about it. Now, I guess the other thing is... um, If uh, people don't want to change, what do we do then? What I would suggest is that don't stop other people from changing if you can. You've already made the change to go back now to the status quo you had before before the virus. Isn't it a great opportunity to take some of these things, things on? Now, I know in my case, I live a long way from my club and my wife does with me too, of course, and... What I'm saying is so if we can, we'll probably go more often if we could somehow share in the club through this online thing and plus we could be a good board member as well. So don't forget those sort of things. And please, if your club isn't ready to change or just doesn't want to change, and look, that's fine. No one's going to make a change or adapt to these new things, but many have done really well. And I must say many of our older members have really done well, especially with a bit of help. Um, we actually had an 84-year-old on, on the other day on his phone, on his iPhone, which his kids had made or his grandkids had made sure was working, and he was part of our meeting and he was really enjoying it. He feels engaged. But why not, if not, start up a satellite club, for example, that is going to embrace all these things? And let's face it, if the satellite club is successful and flexible and you've got a leader for that, what a great way to perhaps keep your club propped up with numbers and maybe then you can integrate into them later on. But let's get the opportunity going. 
I guess the last thing I was just going to talk about is some of the resources available for this. Um, and I'm sure within your districts, you've got many people. You've got your district membership chairs. You've, of course, got your district governors, your assistant governors. Uh, you've got your membership, obviously, program and all that sort of stuff. And you've got very experienced people. But equally, you've got people like myself that's available, um, Rotary coordinators, and uh, this is not on this slide, but uh, people like myself, Adrian Roach, who looks after New Zealand and the rest of Australia at the moment, he'll be looking after the whole of Australia pretty soon. Um, we've got regional membership officer, Barbara Misford, of course, who many of you would know up in Parramatta there. And, of course, we've got our free membership newsletter, Rotary on the Move. And if you email me, um, at tim at cimet.com.au, I'll be happy to put you on the list. We have over 5,000 people worldwide receiving that. So you, you've got your district membership chairs. We've got our assistants as well. In Western Australia, we have Linda McQueary, McCleary. Uh, we've got a whole lot of people coming on all around Australia and New Zealand to help in your time where you may want to evolve to improve, change, adjust, reform, whatever you like to call it, but adapt to our changing world. So... I really had enough to say. I think I've been talking too much. I'm very happy, Caro, to uh, take any questions or discuss with other people some of their ideas. But I thank you very much for having me on tonight. Thank you, Tim. And we do have some questions for you. Is there an Australian New Zealand site where we can all access good, up-to-date presentations on Rotary programs? Perhaps, Adi, you could provide this facility. Well, I tell you what, whoever that was well informed because <laughs> my other job, my other hat is a Rotary Down Under board, a deputy board member. So well, I guess what I'm saying is that we have just launched our new website, which has a club resource centre. I think it's got about four videos up at the moment and a couple of audio things, and it's available for anyone to submit but if you think it's worthy for club meetings, because let's face it, if you can't get those speakers in, and but maybe you've got a great one that you'd like to share and you can record it on something like Zoom, which is very easy to do, you send it into, and I just haven't got the contact at the moment, but if you go to the rotarydownunder.com.au site, you will find a link there to club resources, and I'm sure there's a link there on who to let to know. We just want to make sure there's no swearing or inappropriate behaviour in it, but I'd love to put it up. And I know many clubs and many districts are running very important, you know, like a part of their, unfortunately, we all have to close our conferences down pretty much, and they're recording some of their conference speakers and giving those to us to put up. Obviously, for that, we only want probably 10 to 15 minutes max for a club meeting. But, for example, our district did one with Greg Hunt, the health minister, federal health minister. It went on for about an hour with all the questions, but it's had an enormous amount of views. So please, yes, uh, but I do know that Rotary Oceania, which is the New Zealand Pacific Island website, also has some resources, but we're all sharing those. And uh, I know some districts are doing stuff too. So please let us know. Yes, Rotary Down Under is doing it already as of uh, last Monday.
<laughs> as long as you like. Very quickly, I agree. I love that idea of an embedded satellite club, but I guess it just shows once again if a club's truly flexible, they could have part of their membership meeting at different times, different locations and in different ways. It just depends how flexible you want to be. As, the, as for the future, and look, I, I guess all that, this is the point I was trying to make, that our traditional clubs that have been going for years and years and years, they were very active and they probably were doing the heavy lifting. But as the LA club found, I think, uh, I think I was right, they had a wood chop or they, they'd chop up firewood and sell. That was one of their big fundraisers. And, of course, as the members got older, they couldn't do that. So they tended to go, well, I'm not just saying Adelaide, but a lot of clubs go, do the sizzle, sausage sizzle at Bunnings, sell the raffle tickets, give the money to someone else who's going to actually do the work. I love it if a club can somehow utilise our younger members, the more able members or perhaps spirited members that really want to get involved do that. And I've always also heard of clubs that are making changes but still letting perhaps, and I call them nicely, the oldies, meet still at the venue every week even though the club's not meeting there every week just so they can have a meal. Any of that is all on the table. I'd love to see some of that flexibility. Please let me know about it because I'll push it in Rotary on the move. Thank you, Tim. COVID-19 has, of course, disrupted our society and our economy. And we've got people who are struggling with, with isolation and loss of income and the like, including a number of Rotarians. What advice would you have for clubs? Any, any thoughts there? Well, I mean, the fact of life is that I'm sure there's many members that are hurting terribly. Well, certainly in the short term, maybe they've been guaranteed of their jobs in some way with the, with the government help as well. In t- I mean, one of the greatest costs of Rotary is not being a member. It's actually going to normal meetings and eating meals and the venue and uh, fines and all those sort of things. I'm sure many of those members are probably very happy to be members of a club that at the moment is meeting online where there is no cost, very little cost anyway, and they can still keep in touch with their friends. I do know, and uh, I don't want to open a variable can of worms, that Rotary International is not going to give any fee relief. Their the recent board meeting decided that uh, they, they're still employing all their people that they've always done, they're doing online learning resources, a lot of other things that they can't actually relieve our fees. But equally, I know that insurance is going up and up and up, you know, so it's becoming a real cost for clubs that are going to have trouble. But I know many districts are trying to, you know, at least reduce the cost of being a member. I've even uh, recently, well, not recently, a few months ago in Townsville, and they had clubs there that were just charging weekly, you know, subs. So, might be $5 or $5.50 a week just automatically on their credit card. You can be quite, you know, ambitious about it and a bit different. I mean, I urge clubs that do have great member members' funds that they've taken perhaps in surplus over the years to wouldn't it be great to give back to members now and perhaps some discount or to help them out. But overall, I mean, in the end, the most important thing I'd like to do is keep them as members but not keep their financial obligations too high if we can avoid it and I know it's very hard to do. Importantly though online it's a great way to connect isn't it? Is there a a possibility there to support people in in, in that situation by making them club associates or perhaps retaining them within the club community rather perhaps than, than casting them adrift? I'd urge clubs to have some mechanism to do that. Look, you'd have to work within the, the rules, I guess, as best you do. I mean, obviously, if they're going to be helping in projects, even volunteers are covered. 
I mean, associate membership is made under Rotary's changes and council legislation over the last few years for people coming up into a club. So a way of, I guess, a bit like a Friends of Rotary, if you want to call it that. Now, to move someone back into that, well, there's no Rotary police, is there? So, I mean, I wouldn't, if you're going to keep someone connected, I mean, I, I know clubs that make long-standing members honorary members, which is another way of at least looking at it. So maybe you could do that, but whatever you do, please look after your members and keep them there somehow if you can. And if it does become truly financial, at least make the the ability for them to communicate or someone to talk to them before it becomes a real issue and they just disappear. And I'm thinking about what one of our younger Rotary leaders, Rebecca Fry, who's just chartered the Rotary Social Impact Network, had to say about a coffee with a Rotarian, just one, a one-on-one thing that would really lend itself to breaking down the barriers for older people in spaces like Zoom. An experienced member works with an older member to, to break down the isolation to teach them how to use these very, very straightforward tools. How would that fit in with the other ideas you were espousing, Tim? I I think it fits in beautifully. I mean, that's a great idea. I mean, you know, these phone trees where people keep in touch with, I mean, it'd be even better to be done online. I mean, just about everyone these days has a smartphone, so we know how easy it can be. You don't need an elaborate computer or anything like that. We had one of our members wondered why their camera, or why no one could see them, because they didn't have a camera. So... We don't always assume, you know, let's get down and talk to those people and break down the barriers. What a great idea. Well, I'd love to see every club doing that, Kira. I reckon that's fantastic. Tim, how does your club enjoy Zoom? But we had the best fun at our club meeting a couple of weeks ago for our 59th birthday. And we all broke into Zoom meeting rooms and did it automatically. We had a number of questions, some rotary-type questions, some music, old music, which was good for me. Um, and then, of course, we got back together and checked our answers. The biggest problem is they gave us too much time, so everyone was on Google, of course, and everyone got everything right. But when they worked out that, what a great fun we had. Yeah. So easy. I visited Rotary South Bank recently, and they've been doing some great work there in District 9800, I think it is. South Bank are actually looking at starting two satellite clubs, one focused on senior executives, uh, because they're in Melbourne City, of course, Another one on former youth alumni. How do you see that kind of thing coming together in a progressive Rotary Club? Well, the Rotary Club of South Bank is very progressive because we featured them in one of our webinars that some of you might have seen a couple of weeks ago where uh, Jasmine, uh, the president-elect, presented uh, a little part on the club was actually sewing um, masks, not not surgical masks, but uh, for homeless people, you know, sort of windbreaks. They had some uh, health risk benefits as well. They're very progressive. I mean, I think we feel like we're bound so much to being just the way we've always been, where to do what they're doing, it's amazing. Um, you know, in the e-club of Melbourne too, there's sort of, I mean, they've been dealing with virtual and they're running a thing on virtual, they've got a bit of an article out now, on running virtual uh, changeovers and how to make it a bit of fun. And, uh, you know, I think there's so many ideas out there that some of us, and I don't include myself, of course, um, you know, ageing members think that uh, maybe we shouldn't be doing some of those things. You know, let's just do what we've always done. But they're just breaking the ground and thank goodness for that. Looking at organisation, I mean, we've had suggestions about uh, changes in structure and whatever, but I mean, 
Going back to our basic model following this question, is there scope for us to think about changing the organisation of clubs to to better support the, the sort of innovation that we need because we've had the same kind of board structures in traditional clubs forever? Is, is that part of the issue? Ah, well, how long have we got again? Um, look, I, I think it is, but I think it's what people have actually... I mean, when I first joined Rotary, people told me this is the way we do things. And, for example, uh, if you had to talk at our club, you had to stand up. Now, I know people who left that club because they didn't like standing up. They'd rather just talk from their chair. But we know also that boards these days haven't moved with the changing flexibility. I think we've already got a lot of uh, a lot of flexibility things already in, encumbered in what Rotary set out for us to do, let alone the clubs that are breaking the barriers and even the rules that supposedly are there anyway. So I think it's a great opportunity now and with all these things, yes, maybe it has changed. I mean, we know the regional pilot, which um, many people may not know of, many ordinary Rotarians, that there's a number of people, there's a group called the Regional Pilot uh, Program Group, I guess for a better word, that are actually looking at how Australia would be if they had it was up to them to be self-governing in Rotary. Now, that may not filter down to clubs necessarily, but at the highest levels... It may give us far more flexibility that we haven't been able to do in the past if we get approved to have this pilot. Um, but I know that many clubs, I don't think there's many things holding clubs back these days. If they really wanted to change how they met, how often they met, who with started up other groups, as long as they're all part of and pay their rotary fees, rotary really doesn't care. They just want us to develop how we think is best to develop. And I urge people to give it a crack. And don't be frightened to fail. Because, yeah, not everything we try will work and not everyone will like it. But I know many older members um, and they're not the problem. They're not the handbrake on our club. It's actually people that think they've got this pre-existing idea of what Rotary is about and not prepared to change. Hmm. Some clubs, some Rotarians like to use the district governor as an excuse not to innovate. Have you come across that kind of thing? And is that something that we should perhaps talk about more openly? Well, I think it's another loaded question. Thanks, Kira. For the past district governors on tonight, another look. I don't think you're. I mean, I think you're right. It's not often the governor. I mean, the governors usually they've they've learned all about this. They've been trained over three years in the flexibility, the new rules, the new this. They're not the people sitting at the back there with their hands uh, in their pockets saying, "Oh, you know, this is the way it used to be." And fumbling for the manual of procedure. There's the fact is we can do almost anything we like these days. And I think it's, it's nice to say the Governor won't give me, but I'd love to know such an example. I personally haven't seen that happen. I know, you know, the Governors are as different as any people in our population. Some are young, enthusiastic, some are old and enthusiastic, but most of them just want Rotary to grow and be stronger. So I can't see that that should be a way of, you know, opting out of anything like that. What opportunities do you see for members to share good presentations, and I'm assuming that Melody's talking about recordings here, of new member orientation sessions, and I'd add to that of, or any other good practice? Look, I think with online stuff, there's so much more opportunities. Uh, many districts are sharing. Just one example recently, and 
part of my job next year, Rotary, is to be our district trainer. And I know you've got uh, Jodie there, who was yours, and did a great job. First time I've seen it, but then I haven't been around. All the trainers are now meeting once a month with, risk, you know, Rotary in Parramatta, and they're fostering this whole sharing of resources between the trainers. So if you, and one of the biggest things of discussion at the moment is having district assemblies and president-elect training, and in fact all training at the moment, certainly, online and how people are sharing what they're doing in their districts. So I think there's enormous uh, opportunities for that sharing at every level. And I, I know that the district governors-elect and the district governors are meeting weekly at the moment online. Now, in my day, which was six years ago, we had online, but no one met. It was usually just over the occasional email or at a, a meeting where of people training. So I think we've got enormous opportunities to share the, the same work that's happening. Rotary Leadership Institute is something I'm interested in too. Very, there's a lot of work being done by a few districts in as Australia, online work that is, and uh, you know that'll all be shared. They're all working together. It's fantastic. Can you explain more about the regional pilot group? Try my best, and I'm probably not the best qualified person in the room to do that. So what it is, the district governor group of a couple of years ago got together and thought what a great idea it would be to look at this whole idea of self-governance for Australia, New Zealand, Pacific Islands. They brought some motions up to the Conference of Australia, New Zealand, which got through, and they formed a group and one of my, they broke it into five areas to look at communications, governance, culture, learning and development, and I forgot the other one. But the idea is that those groups, and I'm co-chair of the communications group, that was the one I didn't say with a New Zealand chap, and we've got five very, six very spirited people, some uh, road directors and some more senior, some less senior, but people that are right on thinking about, let's looking at the whole thing and starting again, how would we do that in Australia, rather than being imposed on from RI. And we're hoping that if successful, it'll be taken to the board. It was meant to at least the idea in April, didn't get got deferred, we're hoping in October that will be taken and they'll make some decision and hopefully Australia, New Zealand, Pacific Islands will be part of this trial that will be with other groups too in, in the world. Many of you might know about Rotary in Great Britain and Ireland. They, they did this many, many years ago. But they're looking at changing too. So they've got basically self-governance. They have their own president, I think, now. They still have governors and all that sort of stuff, but it just depends what reflects Australians in. So that's all being looked at. In fact, if you uh, got your Rotary Down Under magazine last month, not this month, but you will all, if you haven't got yet, an email giving you the opportunity to actually have your say, a bit like what I said before, what's good, what's not so good, what could we, how could we improve, to all those areas, communications, governance and all that. And that email will be coming to every Rotary Down Under subscriber in, the, in Australia, New Zealand, Pacific Islands uh, within the next few days if you haven't got it already. District officers in, tend to be good enablers of people. Can we improve the information flow to these people, training, information booklets and that sort of thing? Because they obviously have, have contact with a lot of members. There's a lot of, uh, of course, being done by all the districts for many years and they have a lot of similar things they do and a lot of stuff they share. 
but particularly Rotary International, and this is what they've been doing since COVID happened, is really pushing out informational sort of courses on the Learning Centre in, in uh, Rotary.org. You need to be able to log into Rotary.org, go to the Learning Centre, and I'm not sure how many, but there'd have to be at least 20 that would be very relevant to any person learn, want to learn more about Rotary or have a particular position in Rotary, whether it be president, secretaries or whatever, right from Rotary basics right up to how to be an assistant governor and all those sort of stuff. There's ones on leading change in your district. Enormous, I have to say it's highly recommended that anyone, and I'm sure many of the districts, the people that are here are already using that as perhaps pre-training in this difficult time with COVID, to get some of the formalities over with so you then get into discussion groups more in personal time, yeah. Sure. Look, I, I've really enjoyed it and thanks for asking. And I, I encourage people to contact myself and the other people I mentioned. I'm happy to send you something you might want to pass around to people, but I think everyone pretty much knows in their district their resources. But you've equally got help all around Australia, New Zealand, Pacific Island. I'd love you to visit Rotary Down Under and have a look at the Club Resource Centre. And especially if you've got something that you think is worthwhile to share, please do. Because the more people that do this, the more resources we'll have to make club meetings more interesting, make district training maybe more interesting, and maybe have some fun. They don't have to be all rotary things either, by the way. My goodness, we've had enough of that sometimes, don't we? And it's great to have a bit of a, a different look on things. Look, if you can change or if you can just, I mean, I think all clubs now are in a state of, uh, well, perhaps not crisis, but in a pathway of which way do they go when we come out of COVID. And I, I think you've got another up in a couple of weeks, haven't you, about this and be more specific perhaps than what I am. But it's a great opportunity to be already changed and maybe you didn't even realise what you've done. You've just taken on this technology. And many people have helped people. They've had people to, you know, coach them. And I know, Kerry, you've been doing that personally. You've seen on Facebook the clubs that you've been part of. You get more meetings than I do. You know, the fact is, if you can just take some of those things on board to make your club stronger, more attractive and engaging with the community and, of course, with your members, you'll be a strong club and you won't have trouble finding members. And I wish you all the very best in that. But thanks for having me. Yeah. Um,